Hey guys, welcome to Liquid Church Online. I'm Pastor Tim. It is an honor to come into your home today. Uh, maybe you're in your living room or your bedroom, your kitchen with your family, or you're watching on Facebook Live, man. However you're here on your TV or laptop, smartphone, we're just like so glad that you tuned in to worship with us today. Um, honestly, I believe it's more important than ever for believers to gather together during times like these. So we may be separated right now in homes or even hospitals, but we can still be together. Thank God for technology. In fact, I want to show you something cool. This week, a friend texted me an amazing video of her mom. Take a look. She's 83 years old. She's stuck in a hospital bed in her home, but you can take a look. She is watching church online on her iPhone, and she's just kind of worshiping along. Isn't that cool? Her name is Liddy, Liddy Field. She is 83 years young. Can we praise God for Miss Liddy? Stay strong, Miss Liddy, full of faith, my sister. We are praying for you and everybody watching today. Well, listen, whether you're at home or you're in your pajamas or in a hospital bed, hey, you can't stop the church, amen? I have talked to so many people this week, and honestly, a lot of people are still very much full of fear and uncertainty as our nation struggles to battle this crazy coronavirus crisis. And so, God gave me a special word to encourage you today. It's a simple message. It's five words from the book of Chronicles. And I think these five words, if you take them to heart, it can change your whole mindset. It'll change your outlook on life and this uncertain time. These five words, they're straight from the mouth of God. And these are the words, the battle belongs to God. Can you say that with me? The battle belongs to God. Just type that into the chat. I want to dive right into this. So if you have a Bible, you can turn and open your Bible to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, if you're a church online, you can just click on the Bible tab, but 2 Chronicles, it's found in the Old Testament. And I love some of the battle stories in the Old Testament. This is an amazing story about an ancient battle, a time when a disaster showed up on the doorstep of God's people. The whole nation was under siege and people were panicked. So I think it's very relevant to us. Let's dive in. Verse one says this, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Meonites, there's a lot of ites in the Old Testament, they came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Can you say that? Jehoshaphat. Let me explain who's who first. Uh, Jehoshaphat was king over Judah. That's the southern kingdom of Israel. And let's admit it, um, it's kind of a funny name, Jehoshaphat. Right now, you can just praise God. Your parents didn't name you Jehoshaphat, right? There's a lot of great Bible names, you know, Peter, Mark, John, but Jehoshaphat, not so great. Uh, his friends probably called him Fatty. <laughs> we laugh, but Fatty was in a crisis. Um, Israel had been enjoying a spiritual revival. Uh, the country was wealthy. It was well-run. It was prosperous. So everything's going smoothly until one day, the Bible says three armies, three enemies, the Moabites, Ammonites, with some of the Meonites, came to what? Wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now understand the ancient world, the Ammonites were barbarians. They actually were the inventors of child sacrifice. They worshiped the demonic god Molech, and so they threw their firstborn sons and daughters into fire to worship their demon god. So these are wicked, demonic people. You get the picture? I want you to catch this. One day, out of nowhere, King Fatty and his people are attacked. Literally, disaster lands on their doorstep. Now understand something here. Jehoshaphat didn't ask for this. He didn't plan for this. It's just an emergency that materialized out of thin air. It's kind of like this pandemic. I want you to think about this. Three weeks ago, most of us were just going about our daily lives, right? We're driving to work. 
We're going to school or church, the gym, Starbucks for coffee. We're hopping on a plane. None of us had any idea that life would change so dramatically in three short weeks. Suddenly, our nation is at war with an invisible enemy named COVID-19. Life has been disrupted. And we all feel kind of vulnerable and exposed right now. And, and here we are, New York City is now the epicenter. And we don't know how bad the apex is going to be. Well, verse 2 says this, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is En Gedi. Here's all that means, guys. It was a sneak attack. Three different armies are coming from behind to attack Jehoshaphat, and they're a couple days away. You know, when I think about the coronavirus, it's really three platoons I think that most people feel under siege by. There's the, the, the fear of illness that we all have. You know, will, will I get sick? Will I get infected? Uh, we have worry for our loved ones. Probably by now, we all know somebody who has either been exposed or infected, Maybe some of your loved ones, a, a spouse is at risk from his or her work as a healthcare worker. Maybe you have an older senior in your family and their immune system is compromised. They have underlying health problems. Or maybe just work is a hazard. But whatever it is, a lot of us feel anxiety over the economy. I think right now, a lot of people we know have had their income cut or they've lost jobs or they're closing businesses. You know, maybe your income has been disrupted or your portfolio has tanked and you kind of feel this anxiety like how long is this going to last is, is this a, a recession how am I going to put food on my table or pay my bills guys those are three very real enemies right now fear worry and anxiety and Jehoshaphat was experiencing all three see as king over Judah he was responsible for protecting the nation and all of a sudden deadly danger is thrust upon his people no warning he didn't expect it man he didn't have time to call a war council there's no time to develop a defense. Look at verse 2. It says, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. In other words, this is a national emergency. King invasion is imminent. So Jehoshaphat has a national crisis on his hands. Now let me ask you something. How many of you know sometimes it takes a crisis for us to see how vulnerable we are as people and how dependent we are on God for everything? Depending on God for our health, for our income, for our families. And if you feel alarmed by this crisis, you're not alone. Look what verse 3 says. It says, alarmed, alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to do what? What's the word, church? Inquire of the Lord. In other words, I'm going to go ask God. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Now you can make fun of Fatty's name, but you got to give him credit. It says Jehoshaphat was alarmed. In other words, this sudden crisis caught him off guard. He felt unprepared, but notice what he did. He said, resolved to inquire of the Lord. He said, I didn't see this crisis coming, so I got to go talk to God. See, there's something about a surprise attack that has a hidden blessing. It will drive you straight into the presence of God. Whenever you face a battle that is bigger than you, you didn't see it coming, you got to sound the alarm in heaven. God, we got a big problem. Your people are under attack. And so Jehoshaphat assembled all the people. Look what it says in verse 4. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. They were actively seeking God. And guys, this is a beautiful response in an age of pandemic and fear and panic. 
God's people came together to seek help from the Lord. In other words, when the battle's too big for you, when the odds are overwhelming, God's people come together and we pray. Amen? That's what we did on Wednesday night on Facebook Live. Our entire church came together online to pray to end the pandemic. We had nine liquid pastors from every campus. We looked like the Brady Bunch, church edition, you know? But it was, let me tell you, it was awesome just to pray with and for people all over the world. We prayed for people who are sick or symptomatic. Those who've lost jobs or income, we prayed for doctors and nurses and healthcare workers who are on the front lines containing the crisis. We prayed for our government, local, state, federal leaders, decision makers, for God's wisdom, his protection, his strength, and mercy on us as a nation. And let me tell you, the prayers in the live chat were coming on fast and furious. Guys, we had over 7,000 people engage in live prayer on Facebook. So make some noise about that. Who says there's nothing good on the internet, okay? It was powerful. People just sending in the names of neighbors and coworkers and relatives who need God's protection, his healing, and his hope. So church, don't miss this. Prayer is always the most powerful weapon in the Christian's arsenal. You know, in a time of crisis, we take a page out of Fatty's playbook. Prayer should be our first response, not a last resort. Amen? In fact, Liquid is just one of thousands of churches who are praying daily, week by week. We're praying God's promise a few chapters back in 2 Chronicles 7. God makes this promise. Listen to this, church. It's powerful. If my people who are called by my name, so it's not talking about the world. He's talking about those who call themselves followers of Jesus. That's us. If they will humble themselves and pray and what? Seek my face, my presence, and turn from their wicked ways. God says, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and we'll do what? Heal their land. Guys, not just our land, but the whole world needs healing. Amen? When disaster arrives on a nation's doorstep, it is the job of the church to lead the way in humbling ourselves, in praying, in repenting, in seeking God's face. Remember what the Bible says. Never forget this. The Bible says God helps the humble, but he opposes the proud. Proud is when you say, hey, I don't need any help. I can do this myself. Now God's against you. But the Bible says the humble get the help. The Bible says the humble get the healing. So join us on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock to pray and humble ourselves. We're having an old fashioned prayer service revival at seven o'clock every Wednesday night. And we're just being bold. We're just like, we're asking our powerful God to put his foot on the neck of the coronavirus. We're asking him to end the pandemic, burn this virus out, and prayer is powerful, guys. I really believe God could use this crisis to spark a spiritual awakening. Type amen if you believe it. God can do it. Guys, Jehoshaphat was a man of prayer. And what was cool about this is, I love this. He was shocked, but he wasn't shook. Could you say that about yourself? We didn't see it coming. We feel shocked, but maybe, you know, you feel shook as well. But it didn't shake Jehoshaphat. In fact, He said, God, I need your help in this battle. I'm going to lead my people in prayer. And he led from his knees. This is a model for us leaders. Yes, we pray for our government. Yeah, we pray for our medical community, the military. But our hope is in the Lord. Amen? Our hope's in the Lord. I want to show you this prayer that he prayed from his knees and how God answered it. Because it's not a meek and mild prayer like, God, if you could help us, that'd be great. This is a bold prayer. This is a powerful prayer that laid the groundwork for one of the greatest miracles of the Old Testament. Here's what it says. Jehoshaphat prayed, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God 
who's in heaven. First off, notice, he starts out by reminding God who he is. Isn't that interesting? In other words, he, he shifts the focus from the crisis in front of him to the God who reigns over him. In other words, you don't have to fear what's in front of you when you know who's watching over you. Amen? Prayer is not reminding God what you need. It's reminding you who he is. Jehoshaphat says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who's in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations and power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. So Jehoshaphat is praying boldly. He's declaring with his mouth. He's saying, my God is in control. My God is in charge. Power and might are in his hand and nothing can stand against him. I want to tell you something, church. In moments like this, if you don't know what God is doing, then remind him of what he's done. What he's done in the past. Not so that God can remember, but so that you can remember. Guys, this ain't God's first rodeo. This is not the first time that danger has shown up on the doorstep. This isn't his first time multiple enemies have attacked his children. Jehoshaphat prayed, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple, the church that bears your name, and we'll cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. God hears and God saves when his people pray. How many of you know God is faithful? And he is waiting to be called into this battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. We're about to see this. Jehoshaphat put all his strength and, and trust in God's power. But notice, he's super honest about his own weakness. He says, listen to this confession. He says, for we, we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. Now, this is interesting to me because most leaders will tell you in a crisis, leaders are supposed to project power, right? Don't let them see a sweat, you know? Be confident, reassure people, show them no fear. But here's the king praying in front of his home nation. He says, we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. In other words, he's brutally honest. He's like, God, this battle is bigger than me. I can't fight it. We can't fix it. We can't figure this out. You talk about an honest prayer. And then he prays these very powerful words. In verse 12, we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you. Friends, this is one of the most powerful prayers you can pray as a believer. You know why? Because it is a declaration of dependence on God alone. Guys, I think one of the great treasures, <clears throat> if you can call it that, but a hidden blessing of this pandemic is how humbling it's been. And it's how it's reminded us of how frail and fragile we are. I mean, a virus brings a nation to a standstill. The economy is just stopped. And guess what? There's no silver bullet, right? There's no quick fix. That's why we're all freaking out. We can't control the outcome. Now, we're going to try to mitigate it through common sense precautions. Wash your hands. We do social distancing. Isolate in your house. We're trying to flatten the curve. But the reality is the majority of our country is sitting at home waiting for the threat to pass. And we can't predict what's going to happen next. But here's the truth. Listen to me. If you stay stuck there in your house, binge watching the news and reading articles online, it just magnifies your fear. But watch what Jehoshaphat does. He literally magnifies God. He literally turns the magnifying glass to heaven and he cries out, God, we don't know what to do, 
but our eyes are where? On you. It is a declaration of total dependence on God Almighty. Lord, if you don't intervene here, we are cooked. We ain't strong enough. We're not smart enough. And this battle is bigger than us. But he says this, it ain't bigger than you. Amen? Well, guess what, guys? That prayer is music to God's ears. Because brothers and sisters, I, I hate to say this. Here's the truth. Your weakness is a magnet for God's strength. It's a magnet. Did you know that? It's okay to be weak. It's called vulnerability. And being honest and authentic with your Lord and Savior, guess what? Your anxiety doesn't overwhelm him. In fact, your lack is a magnet for his provision. That lack in your business, that lack in your income, that shortfall. He knows all about the job situation, the layoffs. You may not know how you're going to make up that income or pay that bill. But God's like, hey, look up. I'm your primary care provider. I want you to look to me. When you don't know what to do, our eyes are on you. Yes, God has his eye on you. The question is, do you have your eyes on God? That's a great question. Let me tell you a personal story. Last time I prayed this prayer was back in 2008 during the financial crisis. Our church had just launched and we started our second campus down by Rutgers University. It was the first time we had gone multi-site a church in two different locations. And there's a whole pocket of people down by Rutgers. And we said, is anybody going to show up? Well, God showed up. We had hundreds of new college students and, and people who didn't know God, hell-dipped pagans from, you know, Middlesex County. And like, what do college students and, you know, hardcore pagans have in common? One thing, no one tithes. <laughs> they don't give financially. And so here's what happened. The costs of that new campus were outpacing the income of our church by a lot. Like four months in, we were losing something like $7,000 a week. And our leadership team, we're like, we've made a terrible mistake. I think we sunk the whole church. And God led our leadership team to this verse that we're reading. Second Chronicles 20, 12. We literally wrote it down. We prayed it together. God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And can I tell you, that is humbling is humbling as a leader to admit that you are powerless and God has to miraculously provide. Now we took common sense steps where we cut expenses. We, we tightened our financial belt just like we're doing now, but we're like, God, you have to come through in a big way because we had doubled our expenses in the middle of a recession. But guys, can I tell you what happened that spring? I mean, this was a faith builder. God did something truly miraculous. We actually challenged our congregation. We held a 30-day tithe challenge. We just encouraged people, hey, test God with your first fruit. See if he won't bless you. And in one week, giving increased 7%, then 15%, then 20%, 28%, 30%. It was literally a miracle. We literally saw giving increase 30% over four months. And it convinced us that when God gives the vision, he gives provision, amen? It was a Jehoshaphat moment in the life of our church. In fact, I wouldn't be standing here today talking to you if God had not intervened in that crisis. It was one, guys, of dozens of times over the years that we have literally seen the hand of God move powerfully in response to humble, heartfelt prayers. See, here's a truth most leaders don't like. There is something about our weakness that attracts God's provision and his power. Jehoshaphat, he basically cries out to God in front of all the people. He says, God, this battle's bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. See, 
Have you noticed that how you handle crisis in life really depends on how big you believe God is? Can I ask you that? How big is your God? Because if your view of God is too small, you will live in constant worry, anxiety, thinking everything depends on you. But when you magnify your view of God, you suddenly realize nothing's too hard for him. He can win the war on worry and fear. He can fill you with his peace and his promise of provision in turbulent times. Amen? Look how God answers Fatty's prayer. Look at verse 15. It says, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Let's read this out loud where you are. Just type it in your chat. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Make some noise in the chat if you believe it. The battle belongs to God. Here's the truth, guys. If you find yourself in a situation like we're in right now, where the battle is too big, it's a sign that battle don't belong to you. (laughs) The battle belongs to the Lord. You know, it's funny. We often say, The battle belongs to God, but we stress like it belongs to us, right? We worry, we fret, we try to control or manipulate the outcome. Guys, like worrying has any impact whatsoever on the outcome. Jesus is like, who can add a single day to your life by worrying? But when we change our vision and fix our focus on Christ and say the battle belongs to him, you actually can rest because you can get through anything. Even a pandemic, you can get through sickness, you can get through a job loss, you can get through a temporary income disruption, you can even make it through housebound isolation. See guys, this is a fight or flight moment for us. It was a fight or flight moment for Jehoshaphat. See, when when fear runs up, right? We have, we fight or we flight, but listen to this. When you can't win the fight and you can't run from it, look at this. God says, you don't have to fight it, but you do have to face it. And I'm here to tell somebody, God wants to give you the faith to face this pandemic down and trust him to provide and to fight it for you. You got to battle this in your spirit. You cannot live, guys, every day waiting for the other shoe to drop. You, You can't keep looking at the numbers in your business. You can't keep trying to figure out ways to turn things around like it's all on your shoulders. The battle belongs to God. Some of you, can I just say this? I want to come through the screen and shake you by the lapels of your robe. You got to give God his battle back. I'm just telling you. Some of you have been fighting this all by yourself and God says, would you give me my battle back? That's mine. That ain't yours. In fact, turn to your neighbor. If there's someone in the room, just poke him and say, God wants his battle back. God wants his battle back. Put it in the chat. Look what the Lord says in verse 17. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. He's like, that's mine, fatty. This ain't your battle. Don't be creeping up in my business. Don't waste your strength worrying when you could be worshiping. And that's what Jehoshaphat does. Look what God says. You will not have to fight this battle. So this is so cool. Watch this. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Now, this is strange. You notice what's strange about this? Like if God says, hey, you're not going to have to fight. Why does he then say, take up your positions? Like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> and here's the answer. He didn't call him to fight the battle. He said, I want to position you to see my victory. Because when God gets involved, victory's guaranteed. Amen, church? We are going to see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. That is a powerful promise. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Jude and Jerusalem. 
God says, I want you to see what I'm about to do, what the victory I'm about to bring. And notice he says, stand firm. I thought that's cool, but I did a little research in the word study and found something that I didn't think was so cool. The original Hebrew is closer to this translation. Position yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I hate those two words. Stand still. (laughs) Let's be honest. Standing still is the last thing anyone wants to do when an enemy comes charging against you. The Enneagram 3 in me did not like this translation. (laughs) I'm a guy who's like, let's let's take action, you know, right? When crisis comes and and you feel like we can't just stand our ground and do nothing, we we gotta fight to save the situation. But you know what God says? I want you to stand still and see my salvation. That is Jesus Christ fight for you. It is so hard to be still. Have you noticed this? You know, just like being stuck at home without all our distractions. Look at me. Even before the coronavirus quarantine, we didn't like staying still because we prefer distraction, right? We don't want to deal with the fear and anxiety, so we're used to numbing it with Netflix and shopping and watching sports and eating out. I'm just talking about me. That's my sins. (laughs) Well, guess what this pandemic has done, folks? It has stripped us of all our idols. There's no Yankee baseball to watch. The malls are closed. You can't go out to eat. That's why we feel so uncomfortable. Suddenly, our whole nation is being forced to stand still. It's like an involuntary Sabbath. And something in us doesn't like us because now we have to face our fear and anxiety head on. You don't have to fight it, but you've got to face it. And you've got to give that over to God. He says, be still. Let me do the fighting for you. So the question is, how do you still yourself when the battle is real, when it's raging? And the answer is, you do what Jehoshaphat does. We worship. You worship like Jehoshaphat did. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face, where? To the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worship before the Lord. In other words, the whole nation got quiet and then they got to their knees and they fell down on their faces. That is a posture of worship. That is a posture of vulnerability. It is a very humble position. You know, I saw a news headline that said, virus knocks nation to its knees. And I thought, that's not the worst thing, is it? I mean, obviously nobody wants people to get sick. No one wants the economy to tank. But guys, this pandemic has made us acutely aware of our spiritual need for the Lord, has it not? Guys, this is the safest place in the world to be right here on your knees in the presence of a holy God, worshiping him. Because only worship of God can displace worry from your life. If you want worry out of your spirit, you got to cast your cares on Christ and you got to do it with scripture. You got to do it with songs and you'll find your soul begins to settle. You actually have to take captive all those anxious thoughts. It's like a screen grab. You go like, and you put them in a folder and you hand them over to Jesus. And you declare with your mouth the Lord's goodness. That's when you get his victory in your heart, in your mind. Understand what Second Chronicles is trying to teach us, church. Worship is a weapon. Type that in if you agree. Worship is a weapon. I want you to see this. Jehoshaphat's response is kind of crazy. Verse 21 says, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. We're going to focus on the beauty of the Lord. And as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures 
forever. In other words, they were singing. Now, I want you to imagine this scene. <laughs> I had to laugh when I read this this week. God's people are surrounded on three sides by bloodthirsty barbarians who throw their own children into the fire. And Jehoshaphat says, here's my plan. I'm going to send out the army. And you know who I want out in front leading them? The worship team. Guys, like, have you seen our worship team? Like, no offense, man, but they are gifted musicians and vocalists. But they, they ain't exactly the Navy SEALs here, okay? Yeah, I just, sorry, Pastor Clint. I, I, I'm just not so sure six pairs of skinny jeans are going to strike fear in the heart of the enemy, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love our worship team. I wish I fit skinny jeans. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, if you were suddenly surrounded by the bloods and the crypts, it's like, man, you brought the wrong girl to the dance, bro. <laughs> You, you brought a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> you would think that Jehoshaphat would send in the special forces first, but instead he sends out the band, the worship singers. They went out the head of the army singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Can you like just imagine this scene like if it were a movie? All these enemy armies, they're like armed to the teeth. They are ready for a bloody battle. And out come these singers like, Woo! Give thanks to the Lord! His love endures forever! They must have been like, Man, you gotta be kidding me. Like, are you serious? This is gonna be a cakewalk. How many you know, though? The Bible says we don't wage war against flesh and blood but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, through the eyes of faith, worship is spiritual warfare. Say it with me. Worship is spiritual warfare. Just like prayer, when you worship, you shift your focus. See, instead of focusing on what's wrong with the world, we focus on what's right about our God. And we boldly proclaim, God, we thank you because you are faithful. Even when our world is shaken, you are not shook. God, we thank you that your love endures forever. Lord, it is hell down here and we need the help of heaven. Guys, you need to say it. You need to sing it. You need to declare it because worship is a weapon. You got I love some songs right now that are out there. I love you got to raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemy. You got to declare, God, I'm going to see a victory because the battle belongs to the Lord. You guys remember what I told you last week? This is so important, guys, especially in a crisis like this. You can't just privatize your faith. You got to declare it because you possess what you confess. So I realize you may be in your, your living room and, 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 and worshiping virtually, but listen, guys, I'm just telling you, don't just watch church online. Be a worshiper online. Get off the couch. Raise your hands. Give God a praise because worship is a weapon. Amen? Take a praise break wherever you are. Just make some noise, man, in your apartment. Make some noise in your condo, your home, wherever you are. Worship is a weapon. It is powerful. And it's also a witness. I think worship is a witness because non-believers say, well, why is he so confident in all this chaos? Like his business is, is, is in peril. Why is she so peaceful as a nurse going into work and not panicked? Answer, because her hope is in the Lord. Because she got it in her spirit that the battle ain't mine. The battle belongs to my God. And God loves to wage war through worship. Watch this, verse 22. As they began to sing and praise. Look at this. The Lord set what? Ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. In other words, worship confused the enemy 
and it says that God set up an ambush. Guys, I think it's time for us to ambush this illness with faith in Christ. I'm just going to declare it, an ambush against coronavirus. We need an ambush against anxiety. We need an ambush against fear. We need an ambush against disease in Jesus' name. An ambush against despair. I came to tell somebody when God wages war, he don't fight fair. He rolls up his sleeve. Watch what happens. Verse 23 says, the Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. You catch this? The three armies got all confused by the worship team and God sets these ambushes and they start killing each other. That's what happens when God rolls up his sleeves and gets into a fight. The enemy eliminates the enemy. It is over before a single shot is fired. I'm just telling you guys, you worship a living God, a powerful God. And when he wages war, it ain't a fair fight. You got to give God his battle back. This battle was never yours. Declare that with me. The battle belongs to God, to my God. Remember guys, victory does not come by fixating on the crisis. It comes through focusing on Christ alone. We know we have victory because that's what happened on the cross. When Jesus Christ, the son of God, he stepped on the neck of Satan's sin and death. And on the cross, he broke the power of the enemy with his shed blood. And that means you are forgiven, you are saved, you're protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. His love endures forever, amen? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I want, man, I love it. Did you feel it? You feel the power in this passage? I want to end with this. We're out of time. Did you know when you give your bottle back to God, he can actually turn your battle into a blessing? I'll end with this. This is so cool. I love this passage. Scripture says the next day when Jehoshaphat and the people went down the valley, look what it says. They saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. Did you, you catch this? Like there was so much spoils of war. They got ripped. They couldn't even carry it all. I love it when God shows up and shows off. Amen. Now here's the twist. Look at this. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it all. They had to get a U-Haul, bring it in. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. And that is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Now, I did a little research here, and Baraka in Hebrew means blessing or praise. In other words, Israel named it Baraka because God turned their battle into an even bigger blessing in the end. Guys, we are in a big battle right now. Not just the battle for health, but a battle for hope. And today I feel like God just called me to come into your living room, wherever you are, and put my foot on the neck of a quitting spirit, a spirit of despair, a spirit of hopelessness. If you have a spirit that, man, I can't see the future. I can't see a way forward. Guys, you got to activate the eyes of faith with me. We are going to win this war. God is going to win this war. I'm 100% certain of that. But you have to be still and let the Lord fight this battle. You got to give him your fear. You got to give him your worry. You've got to give him your trust. Can you imagine a moment in the future? It may be months from now, a year or more, but can you imagine that moment when we look back and we say, hey, do you remember that crazy coronavirus in the spring of 2020? Man, what a fight. That was bigger than 
The days were filled with fear. We felt so overwhelmed. But we gave all our worry to God. And we cast all our cares on Jesus Christ. And we prayed our way through that crisis. And because we gave the battle back to God, he turned that battle into a blessing we couldn't imagine. That crisis became the spark that lit a spiritual awakening around the world. As men and women across the globe cried out to God, we saw revival. I believe God can do it, amen? I believe, I know it. This is gonna make us even stronger as a church, as a nation, amen? I pray it will, and I pray it will for you and your family. In fact, let's pray right now. Would you just bow your heads for prayer wherever you are? Let's just declare our dependence and give the battle back to God. Father, we're closing our eyes and let's put our hands out as a posture of receiving. Father, we need your peace. We need your help. Father, we don't know what to do, but right now the eyes of our heart are on you. And Lord, when we look at you, we see Jesus on that cross who loved the world so much that he laid down his life and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have now eternal life with you forever. I thank you for that promise. Our eternal security, it is confirmed and secure in your hand. But Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, we come against the spirit of fear, of worry, of anxiety. We come against any spirit of control and acknowledge that you are sovereign. You are completely in control. Even when life spins out of control, Lord, you're sovereign and Lord, you're a provider. I'm praying right now for a family, a man or a woman, Lord, who have lost their income and their disruption. God, provide this week in a way that they can see it was you there all along. God, we turn our battle right now for loved ones' health over to you. Father, help us to be present and actually be your hands and feet as we love and minister to them. And serve our neighbors, God. Give us eyes to see, eyes of faith, that this would be the church's finest hour in a moment of darkness, I pray. Hey, I'd never like to close without giving you a chance to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if you don't know God personally, you want to join the family of God, just simply pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of my sin, all the broken stuff. Forgive me. I believe you died for me and you rose again. I'll make you my Lord and Savior. Father, I pray right now for those who prayed that prayer. Welcome them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Let them know they will never be alone again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, listen, church, don't click off just yet because, listen to me, it's time to worship. I, I was convicted this week because I think you can't hear a message like this without worshiping in response. So I just want to talk to you right now, wherever you are watching from, I want to ask you to stand up if you're able, all right? So if you're on the couch, just kind of get up, stand up as a family. This is a chance for you to move from simply watching church online to worshiping online. Remember, worship is a weapon that brings the victory. So you don't actually have to be sitting in a church auditorium to worship. You know why? Because God is present right now in the room where you are. If you're in the kitchen, your bedroom, the living room, God is there with you. And so I want to challenge you to stand up and sing this song of victory. It's very powerful. In fact, if you have the space, maybe you want to kneel down and worship. Maybe you want to get down your knees, your face. Raise your hands, guys. You know what raised hands are? It's a sign of surrender. Don't just be a watcher. Be a worshiper today. This is declaring, man, my battle belongs to the Lord, and I'm going to see the victory. Amen? Guys, this song is straight out of 2 Chronicles. So let's declare it, church. As we worship in Jesus' name, we're going to see a victory.